Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and on today's episode with my amazing co-host, Dr. Susan Fancher, we talk about the new Selmer Supreme. We check out Chops by Dan Grazer and answer some of your questions. In an exciting announcement, our first community composition is available free for everyone to download. Sue and I are commissioning new works for everyone, all of our listeners, to start to build a new library of free music for saxophonists all around the world. Our first composer is Jenny Watson, who has written a beautiful piece called Enveloped. You can check it out and download it for free. Go to our website, thesaxophoneacademy.com forward slash podcast. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Wally. How you doing? I'm, I'm, <laughs> Sue, I'm really good. You, I'm, you went on an adventure I this did. Week. I went on an adventure. I got on an airplane for the first time in a couple of years. How was it? It was, it was great, actually. Yeah. Everybody was super, super well behaved. So we didn't have any fist fights on my flight. Because hey, <laughs> I hear there have been thing. some. Everybody keeps their mask on pretty well. I mean, there were a couple of chin straps in the in the airport, but other than that, yeah. everybody behaved and the flight attendants seemed to to keep everybody <laughs> under control more or less. <laughs> now once you got through the uh the new experience of flying post Yay. well tail end of pandemic I, who cares yeah, what we're going to call it? i don't know yeah i don't want to jinx it where did you go i went i flew to portland maine and then i got a car ride to sydney maine to the snow pond center for the arts where we had the frederick the, the, <laughs> <laughs> i can't say it the, i love that sue gets invited to do the coolest stuff endorse the coolest product well, i can't say any of the right names for anything oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> i'm in big trouble frederick l hemke saxophone institute Okay, your mentor has a uh, ongoing. Yes, some of his students are running now that he has passed away. Um, They are running this institute that still bears his name. And it was 21 really outstanding college level saxophonists. Oh, wow, just 21. Just 21. So they got a lot of individual attention. It's by audition and quite selective. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I had private lessons with every single one of them twice in the week I was there. They're taking a lot of lessons. I hope and I you, I hope you were the one giving the lessons, right? <laughs> I tell you, okay. those kids are so good. I Maybe I learned a few things. <laughs> no, you just got to gotta neg them. You just got to like, oh, geez. You're going to use that read, Johnny? Oh, no, that's fine. That's the read you want to go with. Right, okay. okay. So you know, I'm not going to second yeah. guess you here yeah, much. It's your read, pal. <laughs> so what were some of the highlights? What was You gave a presentation. You taught? I saw you yeah, coaching I taught a, a lot of group. lessons. I feel like my my throat is still not recovered from talking basically nonstop all the Silky time. But smooth, I do a lot of that anyway. <laughs> anybody who knows me, <laughs> you do have a podcast after all. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So um, teaching, I saw you uh, pictures of you coaching a chamber group. Yep. And yep. Did and some you- quartet coaching. Very fun. So the, the I always want to say kids, but they're students. They're not kids. They're grownups. Um, they are playing really well that, you know, I say this every time I work with young saxophonists. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. The chops. It's amazing. Just amazing. Each generation yeah. is getting better. And yeah, you know, I still, well. It's great. I don't care. Yeah. Don't compare yourself with others. Done. Okay. <laughs> there's always people who are better, and there's always people who are worse. So Homer Simpson said the quote: "No matter how good you get at something, there's always a million people better. So why oh, try?" Oh no. <laughs> That's a famous Homer Simpson quote. Gotta love it. Now yeah, you- but yeah, I gotta say, can I say one thing about the music? <sighs> All right. So I don't know if I should share the story, but there was a, a quartet. 
back based in Chicago, I guess all Northwestern grads who were contemporary music saxophone quartet called Precipice. Wonderful group. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, fantastic players. And they had a concert review once that said glowing things about how great they played their ensemble, their tuning, their tone, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But alas, the music seemed hardly worth the effort. Oh my. Yeah. And I've, I've, I'm sorry I felt like a, a little bit like that most of the week. Yeah. I know what you mean. So yeah. that's all I'm going to say about that. And I did a presentation. So every faculty member did during the course of the two-week camp. I was just there for the second week teaching. Um, every faculty member gave a presentation on some topic. Um, I can't remember what Professor Richtmeyer talked about because I wasn't there. But I think she may have talked about vibrato. So, yeah, which is great. And using it in an artistic way, which is a fabulous oh, wait, topic. Wait, are we supposed to? <clears throat> oh, boy. Wally, you're um, going to have to talk I'll, to her. I'll talk to her and see if she can give me a, yeah, you're gonna a, call a recording of it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I talked about repertoire development. So sorry. She's yeah. amazing. Oh, she's amazing. Um, she's one of my heroes. Of, oh, my gosh. Her concerto recordings of, I believe it's Glazunov. The Glazunov is my so favorite beautiful. one. Yeah. She's amazing. I yeah. mean, no offense to anybody else who's recorded the Glazunov, but Deborah Rick Myers is my favorite. Yeah, someone's favorite. crying right now that just released the... No, yeah. No. No, she's a, <laughs> I just want to interject that if you haven't heard recordings of her, I'm sure they're up oh, everywhere gosh. to find them. Deborah oh, Rick yeah. Meyer. Um, she's still professor of saxophone at University of Illinois Urbana. Oh, yes. Champagne. Yep. Champagne. Urbana. Champagne. Yeah. Urbana. Yeah. Champagne, Urbana. Uh, Deborah I don't Rickmeyer. Know Check her out. What an artist. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I talked about repertoire development, and in a nutshell, was just encouraging the students to start while they're in college thinking about what music they really want to play. It's a lifelong project of deciding yeah. what music you want to play. And as you're a great example of Wally, Uh-oh. it can change. Oh, yeah. Your yeah, focus no, no. can okay. change. You yes. know, it doesn't have to be decide when you're in college and that's you're stuck with that for life. I mean, my focus has certainly changed depending on where I lived and what composers were around me and stuff like that. And, you know, what opportunities were around me too. But yeah. I just encouraged them to, you know, be honest with themselves about what kind of music they want to play, what they like to listen to, and don't feel like they have to do, you know, all of the standard rep, mm-hmm. you know, just because it's the standard rep, because a lot of it's not really worth your time. Well, it's I'm funny sorry some of <laughs> some of our repertoire, and for the um, for the non-academic listeners, many of our adult students, the common repertoire in classical is largely decided by the universities. Right. And each university, there, it's not. It's getting better every day. Yes. And the the big figureheads of the different you know the different leaders of our industry, they're communicating their friends. But for a while, there was this tribalism where a certain school would say, these are the works of music by composers on our faculty. These are the standards. And another school would say, no, no, these are the standards. These are the important works by composers on our faculty. And there's a little (laughs) bit of tribalism. Um, True. And so, but it was interesting to see that this music was 20, 30 years old, and people were already trying to claim this is standard repertoire. Right. Which I was like, we don't get to decide that. (laughs) Right. You know, like, we we need to quit talking about what you need to know. It's like, this is a new piece of music. And then we need to live out our lives and let the historians decide what's going to be standard repertoire. Yeah, and what stuff survives the test of exactly. time, right? So we you don't need about, to determine yeah. that. We just need to, you know, plant yeah. our flag and I think this is great music. But I hate it when someone tells students, this is a piece you need to know, and it's 20 years old. Like, that's, yeah. I yeah. just think that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, and... You know, I talked a lot about what music I've played in different circumstances in my life and who I play with and where I play and encouraged them to think about where are you going to play and for whom, you know, and that you don't have to only play music that works in the academy. And in fact, like our listeners probably don't have to play that music at all. And that's lucky for them. Actually, they're free to play whatever they want. Which is great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
So good presentation. You got some. I yeah, I got some really good feedback on it, and people seemed appreciative of the the insights. And you never know what what communicates and connects with um, younger people because you know when you're young, you think you know it all. So <laughs> we'll see. But I think somebody was listening. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I did get into a little bit of trouble for suggesting that maybe not everyone needs to be playing the most um, avant garde music by the most avant garde composers for just any audience and that I made the suggestion that not all music is good for every single audience and I don't know why that was controversial but I was strongly disagreed with for that remark but anyway I digress I love it how because (laughs) Sue um one of the most amazing world-class artists I know she'll never say that but I can and will say that she phrased it I got in trouble why is it the other person that's not in trouble? <laughs> a disagreement. You're just so humble and kind that well. you leave room for disagreement. But uh, I'm I'm with you. Um, I know you are. That's why it's safe to say that. <laughs> and I guess that's, there's two camps in in academia, not the Saxophone Academy, but in academia universities. Um, there's people that want to do the highly avant garde, esoteric music by you know average yeah. listener standards. Good for them. And that's fine. My problem, like you, comes when oh no, we all need to be doing this, right? Like, no, exactly. we don't. We don't no, all need to do the same stuff. We don't. And the assertion was that composers need performers to play their music, and they need to be able to try stuff that's kind of innovative and cutting edge. And the answer to that is yes, of course, but not every single performer must do that. Yeah. And I have done a lot of that work in my life, so that's why I was especially like, whoa, why am I getting so strongly disagreed with? I've been one of those people my entire life donating, frankly, dozens or hundreds of hours learning music for the yeah. sake of encouraging composers. I have no regrets about that. I I love it. I enjoy it. I still love to do that, play play new music, and and uh, so that I would get some heat for that. It was a little bit... I, I don't wow. understand it. I, I can't imagine a baker like, you guys need to try these really hard-to-eat muffins. If you don't keep eating these really hard-to-eat muffins, I'm not going to get paid to make these really hard-to-eat muffins. And, like, you know, it's kind of like, I understand. Everything doesn't need to be, you know, a commodity and super digestible, but not everyone has to be promoting academic composers. No, we don't all have to wear purple shoes. No. And, like, <laughs> if you want me to play music, write better music. But, you know, I encourage the students to find composers whose music they like right. and maybe who they like as people and work together with them. Speaking of which. There you have. Yes. Of working with composers <laughs> you like. Yeah. We have a composer we like and it's being sponsored by <gasps> Key Leaves. Key Leaves. Now, Key Leaves makes the key props, which we've talked about before, yes. which keeps our pads dry yes. and keeps our horn happy because what's the greatest enemy to the saxophone? The greatest enemy, not only to the saxophone, Wally, but to the whole listening world, is the sticky G-sharp key on an alto saxophone. It is, and moisture (laughs) Moisture. is the culprit. So moisture is is the root problems with, I mean, everything from construction to the saxophone to... Well, that's true, right? You know, your your feet when you're taking long hikes. So, Rulon Brown, we've talked about the key props, has an amazing new product as well. Take a look at the table next to you, Sue. These are the... Gap cap. Wow. Now, the in plug. You can't make an in plug better. You stick it in the end of your saxophone. It keeps it from right. rattling around. How can it the be case. better, Wally? Well, Rulon made it better. So, your Selmer came in a Selmer case, right? Yes. My Yamaha came in a, wait for it. Selmer case. Yamaha case. No, <laughs> Yamaha <kidding>. case. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then a lot of us, we put our, our horns in aftermarket uh, cases. Yeah. They don't fit perfectly, largely because the space between the end of your instrument and the end of the case. The end cap, there's variability. Well, Rulon Brown from Key Leaves has solved this by making a variable length 
cap. This is awesome. And I need these well, for that, my Marcus Bonacase. And that's yours. <gasps> no. Yeah, that is I a gap. I need that yeah. so because it, it doesn't fit well in the case. Well, let me explain what it okay, is, Sue, Wally. before you before you steal it and just run out of my <laughs> I'm house. Just, I'm just I'm yeah. leaving now, bye. So it um the cap unscrews, and I'll put a link so you can check out. Oh, and by the way, he's offering a big discount to our listeners. Um, All right. The cap screws and unscrews this beautiful machined metal into the cap, screws and unscrews, so you can change the length to get a perfect fit in any aftermarket case with your saxophone. And what's also beautiful is that beautiful metal cap. The base of it is flexi. Squeeze that, squeeze that, the base suit. Oh, that, spiral. that is very cool. Uh-huh. So it slides in and out uh... easy of a saxophone. And also, because it's not solid like normal in caps or in plugs, and I love the wooden ones. A friend of mine, Derek, makes beautiful wooden ones, but that lets air flow in. See how it's kind of hollowed uh, out? I, I sure it's do. It's just as strong, but air gets in, meaning more air to the saxophone. Yeah. Your saxophone's going to be drier, safer in the case. These are the Gap Caps, an incredibly innovative, fun product. Uh, the one Sue is holding right now, you can't see it because of the podcast. No. <laughs> it is beautiful key leaves green, it's green, but it's still that metal, that beautiful metal sheen, like a satiny green. This it also comes great. in a satin gold and silver, all sorts of cool colors to match your saxophone and your aesthetics. Um, the Gap Cap by Key Leaves. Huge thanks to our sponsor. And what that sponsor has allowed for is our first commission by Jenny Watson. So by the time this airs, Sue has not heard it yet. I haven't. I've just gotten a little taste. So my graphic, oh. my graphic designer is making the cover. Jenny Watson's putting the final magical touches on Enveloped. A beautiful nice. piece of music for solo saxophone. You can play it on any of the saxophones you want. Two uh, sections, a slow and a fast, and all inspired by her walk in the woods and being enveloped by the sounds of nature, how it all comes together. Um, that, by the time this episode airs, you can go to, sa- excuse me, I should know my own website, <laughs> thesaxphoneacademy.com forward slash podcast, and I'll put a link in the show notes, and you can download this work for free. And we're all going to learn it and play it together. And then we'll actually probably have some contests where you guys can tag us on social media. Maybe win something cool. All these sponsors we keep talking about should pony up some swag. (laughs) Hey, Wally, this is super cool. I am really excited about Jenny's music. She's amazing. And actually, I, I love this Gap Cap. You know that I am not like... I'm not really into stuff. I know. You got to stop. The but, ad roll is over. We've used our ad time, and now this is, this is free. Uh, all right, go ahead. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go use this in my Marcus Bonnet case because mm-hmm. I, the cap of, of the saxophone in that case is what holds the top of the instrument in the case because it fits into a foam, hard, yes. hard foam piece. And so just having the alto saxophone hang there on yep. that plastic case has been making me nervous. Look, so, how, look how far that, un, un, that yeah. unwinds. Look how big so, that can get. It's, this is awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and that's going to fit any aftermarket case. So okay. like I said, um, my Alto had a little bit of play in my BAM case that uh, I unscrew that and it snugs it. right in. Beautiful thank product you. by Roland And thank you, for, thank you for giving that to me. Is He's that, the best. Is that from him, for me? Yes. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I guess your key leaves artist, whether you like it or not now. Okay. okay. I love it. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, contracts in the mail. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so one other, um, two other products we want to talk about real quick before we get to yeah. some listener questions. Ooh, listener now questions. Now that we know that Sue got in trouble for talking about repertoire, you tried, <laughs> an, actually, let's talk about this first. Because my friend and your friend, Dan Grazer, soprano saxophonist with the Donald Center Quartet. Yes. And we've reviewed their um, albums before on the podcast. They're fabulous. Complete virtuoso. As you know. Super, yeah. super kind, smart guy. He wrote a book, and we talked a little bit about last week, 
uh, CHOPS, 221 Full Range Fundamentals and Technical Exercises for the 21st Century Saxophonist. Now, Sue, how big is this book I'm holding up? Oh, geez, it's a good solid inch. <laughs> it's a phone book. And, and we're not talking about like the Greensboro phone book. We're, no. we're talking about like Chicago. So this is a beautiful spiral round book that has every exercise you can imagine. Now, to my adult listeners, this is for a very advanced like college level saxophonist. Yeah. Um, it's geared towards the very advanced player, like the scales go into the altissimo. Yeah. Um, there's tons of voicing and overtone exercises, warm-ups galore, intervals, technical exercises. Um, it's got everything a saxophonist could possibly want. So if you're looking to go to one of them fancy conservatories... You should get it. You should get it. Um, it's got long tones, warm-ups, uh, mechanism studies, voicing flexibility, vocalizes. I'm not going to explain it here. I might explain it a little bit later. Um, articulation, scales, intervals, arpeggios, and a cool-down. Oh. I don't know if I've ever seen a book with a cool-down. Oh, how smart is that? Very, <laughs> Dan is a very thoughtful guy. Wow. Very smart. So I'll put a link in the show notes. And the reason I, I, we apologize because the pandemic put us out. So right oh, at the time they're reviewing this, Chops 2 is out. I know, now, or right? Coming out. We're so behind the curve So here. Chops 2, the choppening? I don't know what it's called yet. <laughs> uh, Chops 2, Electric Boogaloo is coming out. Um, and I'm sure that'll be... Frankly, terrifying for someone with my oh technique. My um, but also, a uh, quick note, Dan uh, was the one that had told me that I was wondering if the autismo on Legere was just as good. Dan said, oh, yes. And I said, oh, yeah, uh. we'll prove it. <laughs> so Dan on Facebook tagged me in a video of him playing I saw that. B, B1 through 5. And for those that know, low no B is one Middle B is, is B2. B with octave key is B3. He played the Altissimo B above that and one above that. Go, Dan. Yeah, he's... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's got chops. So it is very <laughs> apropos that he wrote the book called Chops. If I wrote a book called Chops, it would be mostly about like cinnamon, Pork cinnamon chops. chipotle <laughs> space rubs. Yeah, but Dan can do that. So Dan, huge props, man. I've I've oh, had like so time amazing. to really look through this amazing exercises. And again, this is I'll put a link in the show notes. This is for the very advanced saxophonist. Yeah. Um, I chops to the thought of that scares me, but I, I can't wait to take a look. At it. He'll yeah. make he'll make me a good player yet. <laughs> um, new product alert yeah. you tried then this is fairly new i think this is very new so selmer which is stop it <laughs> selmeyer selmer paris selmer paris selmer paris okay <laughs> has not come out with a new saxophone in a very long time very long time i can't even remember the last time um, it's been at least what like 20 years it's been around that, yeah. Okay. Um, and so they have spent the last at least decade plus getting in touch with professionals in the field and, and engineers who work with musical instruments and so on and so forth. And they are touting their new saxophone as um, the supreme mm -hmm. um, alto saxophone. So far, Very humbly named. Yes. There's only an alto. So, you know, I'm always like, yeah, whatever. Cause you know, I play on an old series two. I love it. I tried the series three. I love the series three, but I didn't love it enough to change from my series two. Right. It didn't seem radically different enough to, you know, to fork and over the, the money. And the series two is as good as the any series horn could two need. is great. Yeah. yeah. So they took everything that people love with the series two, added things that people love from the series three, fixed things that are problematic in both those horns. And they did all this work on this horn. They, I sat um, and listened to um, like a 45-minute marketing 
explanation, presentation, whatever you want to call it. Wait, were you in from, a timeshare? Mm, like, yes. What? Yes. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Did this come with yeah. essential oils? Yeah. This sounds terrible. You get, a, you get a free dinner if you go and listen oh. to somebody do a spiel about selling Just milk. let me play yeah, it. <laughs> no, but it was during one of our pedagogy oh, hours okay. one day. Scott Campbell of Summer. Oh, yeah. Never um, mind. I sh- I'll shut up. I love Scott. He's a super nice guy. Isn't he a okay. super nice guy? He yeah. He did a presentation on this new Supreme... Um, alto saxophone. Well, of course, I flew up to Maine with my soprano saxophone and had asked if it would be okay if I borrowed an alto saxophone while I was there for teaching because I didn't want to go on the airplane with both the horns because sure. it's complicated. And why use your new Marcus Bonner double case? You know, you only waited a year for it. Why would you bother using that? <laughs> that is a fair question, okay. Wally. <laughs> I wasn't sure it would fit in the overhead. Fair but, enough. But and, then, and I don't but think it would. Yeah. It, actually, it would have. <laughs> but the upside <laughs> is I got to Maine. I got to the camp. And uh, Gail Levinsky, who is the person who runs this camp, also teaches at it. Dr. Also, Gail Levinsky, uh, one of Dr. Saxophonist. Dynamite saxophonist. Great teacher and yeah. one of Hemke's students, too. Got her doctorate with Fred Hemke. Uh, anyway, so she let me borrow this Supreme Alto Saxophonist phone that she was borrowing from Scott okay. as a promotional instrument. And so I was, I picked it up, you know, I didn't even really know what it was. Like I, nobody told me that Summer was coming out with a new <laughs> saxophone. Actually, they probably did, but I probably paid no attention, Wally. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I had so. my head in the sand for the last 15 months, you know. Anyway, so I picked this horn up at the first lesson, you know, throw on my mouthpiece and reeds, you know, everything's just cold and dry. And I play on this horn. I'm like, oh, this horn's really nice. And then, you know, next lesson, you know, I pick it up again, play a little bit with the student. I'm like, oh, this horn's really nice. Wow, the tuning's really good on this horn. And then, you know, it's just sitting there on the carpeted floor. I'm putting it. Oh, God, Scott's going to be like, you did what? I just laid it down on the floor. (laughs) I could edit that out, but not being a sonar artist. But then I picked it up again for the next lesson. And after a while, I was like, wait a minute, this saxophone is really good. What is this? And I look at it. Oh, Summer Supreme. I'm like, what is this? Wait, wait, hold on. (laughs) You have one of the most hot new sought after items and you weren't even sure what you were playing? (laughs) Well, that's how out of the loop I was. I was so focused on the teaching and the students that I wasn't. And so then a student came in and we had a little extra time at the end of the lesson and we decided to read through Mark Mellett's piece, Black. Okay. So I got to actually really play on this horn. Oh my gosh, like the low register, the high register, everything. It's even tone. It feels great in the fingers, the response. It's quiet, which you know, Selmers are not particularly well known for being super quiet. They get loud as they get old. I guess all saxophones. Oh, do, yeah. But, no, I mean, but I feel like. No, know, I mean, my, I love Yamahas. Yeah. I'm not a Yamaha artist, but like when my Yamaha, after a couple of years, it sounds like a Panzer tank rolling okay. through Paris. So maybe it's, yeah. it's just because this thing is new, but if it stays as quiet as that, wow. But anyway, the Altissimo was great. So like the next. Next morning before I had to teach, I went in early just to play on the sax a little bit to just check it out. It's great. I mean, I think I think that they actually actually made a significantly improved instrument and they specifically decided to make one that would address all the needs of people playing different styles of music, or at least right. that's what they're aiming to do. Because, you know, we sort of got, well, this one's good for classical and this one's good for jazz, which personally, I think that's all a bit of bal- baloney yeah, just because marketing. just you're going to make your sound on whatever you're you're playing on. Anyway, I think that this instrument's really great. Here's the thing, you can't get one right now because they're back ordered already. Cuz Sue left it on the carpet in the no, office stop up in it. May. Okay, so. <laughs> Sue forgot it. She just no. left it. So they're they're selling so fast. So the price tag is something like 7,500. Uh-huh. And that's a pretty good price for a saxophone that's this good, I got to say. 
I, if I'm sending the kid to college the next four years, so I won't be getting it. But I asked them um, when they're going to get the soprano, and they said, well, next is the tenor. So in a few years, they'll come out with the tenor, so and in a few more okay. years. But, you know, in the meantime, my, my Series 3. So you're a Selmer fine. artist. Yeah. And that's their new flagship. Is a supreme. Yeah, and you have a yeah. podcast with a reach of over See, 100 countries and many, <laughs> many, many, many tens of thousands of Do you think the listeners are going to demand that Selmer really good price? If I were Selmer, well, you're an internationally recognized soloist. Um, if I were Selmer, I would <clears throat> get the hands. Uh, I would get the supreme in the hands of someone with, with a well, huge audience like Sue. They, they are having no trouble selling that horn right now. They they say you can, you have they they have orders paid for and all of their um, possibility to manufacture these things is spoken for through you know yeah. the end of August into September. Okay, so we need anyway, to find, we need to find a line of saxophones that aren't selling, and then we're like, <laughs> we'll give us some saxophones. We'll talk it up. Anyway, yeah. I was really surprised because again, I'm I'm not one to change my equipment. No. I I get something, I like it, I just play on it. You can show me ten things that are better, and I just stick with my my equipment until something really just knocks my socks off. If I had seventy five hundred dollars laying around, I would go buy this horn. I would get on the waiting list now. I oh. liked it that much. They're not even a sponsor, Sue. Okay, I take that back. <laughs> no, I really would. <laughs> All right, I'll email. Anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll record this then email. But they don't need it. That's the thing. <laughs> they like, don't need the marketing. It doesn't matter what you say about like you know, horn is Rolex. They're not going to send so, you one. I know. Yeah. I really would love to have a Rolex. They're great actually. watches, and they're like, yes, <laughs> yeah, we, we know. know. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what it is, Wally. I know. Okay. Right. So, anyway, did we save any time for listener questions? Oh, we sure did. Oh, yay! I have no idea how long we've gone. I feel like I haven't seen you in months. It's been. a Two it's weeks. just been two Too weeks. I, there's long. just so much going on. It's like the world is coming back to life, or at least our our little corner of it, anyway. And I'm happy. I know. I same. Know. I'm gonna oh. be. I'm rehearsing with my band next week. Yay! Yeah. I can't wait to hear you guys. Oh, thanks. Question from Bill Shepard. Bill Shepard. Um, and your saxophone fun. Oh, this is actually specifically for me, but I want to get your opinion on this. Your saxophone fundamentals book. So I have a free online course, saxophone fundamentals, uh, and I have like a 45 page workbook, which is like chops without. If chops for the common man. <laughs> I love it. it. <laughs> uh, you have us practice harmonic minor scale, uh, but not any other forms of the minor scales. I understand the wax on, wax off, trust the teacher thing, and I do, but could you and Sue discuss the difference between the minor scales and why they might be useful? Now, it's true. I follow the, and it's, there's jazz reasons as too. Jazz reasons as too. There's jazz <laughs> reasons as well. But like in the Londex Lagam, which means... The scales. Good. Okay, I wasn't sure about that. <laughs> so like Lagam, I only have my students working on major and harmonic minor scales. Classically, why, Sue, would you possibly give a reason? Well... Just so he thinks knows I'm not completely crazy. Well, you might be completely crazy, but aren't we all just at least a little? <laughs> <laughs> but so the thing is, a lot of tonal music uses that's in a minor key uses the harmonic minor scale. So that... That comes up in music more often, but the other thing to note is that the natural minor scale is really exactly the same as the major scale, just starting on a different note, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. So your fingers already know those patterns, so there's no point practicing the, the natural minor scale. Right, because when you're practicing major scale... It's, ar it's already in there. It's already in there. It's like when your when your parents try to hide the vegetables in the meatloaf. It's in there. It's in All there. All the good stuff's in there. It's in there. Yeah. But now your kids are going to know, Wally. No, they're not. They're outside. They, they can't hear this okay, right Okay, good. <laughs> so, exactly. So, you're already practicing it. The melodic minor is used all the time. But the problem with the reason I don't want to use that as technical studies is because, Sue, 
What's the problem with learning the melodic minor in thirds, fourths, fifths, and sixths, and ninths? And I don't know. I never did. It's different on the way up than it is on the way <laughs> Oh, that's down. terrible. Yeah, there's the ascending oh, no. melodic minor and descending. <laughs> right. And so, like, it's just in the turnaround, in the palm keys, where it's one way up, the other way down. My teacher um, back in undergrad made me do that full range. Oh. And it was just a nightmare. And afterwards, oh. I didn't feel it was terribly beneficial, so I don't subject my students to that. Right. Um, I j- was never subjected yeah. to that, Wally. So jazz-wise, jazz, jazz wise, um, Bill, here's a really good reason. Um, if you're playing a tune in a major key and you see a minor chord, there's so many exceptions. It's almost like I'm just shooting myself in the foot trying to answer this. But, you know, say you're you're playing um, the, the, the opening to um, I Got Rhythm. There's plenty of minor chords but they're still in a major key. So they're going to largely be using, I don't like matching chords with scales, but the Dorian mode over that minor, which when you're practicing major scales, it's all in there. In in a major key area, the minor chords are still, they're minor, but they're like major E minor. They're not the same. Now, if you're playing, what is this thing called love? The minor chords are outlining a minor key area, and then the harmonic minor scale works a treat. Um, because minor chord isn't just a minor chord. It depends on the context. I think I said that. Mind blown. Yeah. So, and it took me a lot of years to get over my, my scale chord matching. Well, here's an A minor chord. This is the scale you use. No, it depends on context. That A minor chord in a major tune, part of a two, five, I'm not going to use the harmonic scale. A minor in a minor tune. Um, yeah, I will absolutely use the harmonic minor scale. And so it's, it's context dependent, but that's why I have the students. But that's why I tortured them only with the harmonic minor scale because you already practice in your natural minor. You're right. already practicing your Dorian mode, which fits over that. Right. So the harmonic minor <laughs> scale, it's its own beast. This is why I play by ear when I do jazz and not try to do all that I, matching I of chords I and scales. I know I more than I want about it. theory <laughs> so I can answer student questions. Oh, well, that's important. Uh, is it? Yeah, because okay. that way you feel like you can you can teach that subject, and I'm like, uh, I don't teach it, though. Really, I, I just right? tell them, quit thinking about it. Yeah. Focus on what are all these chords saying? Good. You know, the one, six, two, five, one, six, two, five. Um, the six chord, eight chords blazing by in the <laughs> beginning of I Got Rhythm. Right. <laughs> it, it's just, it's it's major home key, you know? Yeah. They're adding context. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. Your job is not to outline chords. Your bass player is already doing that. <laughs> you get to build melodies over hey. what they're doing. Um, another question from Selena Armitage. Hi to you both. I'm an adult learner, and I've had my sax for about a year. I just started lessons a few days ago before the world closed, before, well, you know. Anyway, my question is, (laughs) other than the lovely doctor, can you guys point me to any inspirational women alto saxophonists to listen to that are, um, how do I put it nicely, from the younger generation? (laughs) So she means, other than you, who are some other, and I I followed up, and I was like, how long are you, how young are you talking here, Selena? I emailed her back, and she said, You know, uh, when I do Google searches, I only get like historic women. I'm sure oh. she's getting like uh, like Miss Hall, you know, Elise oh, Hall. Right. So, well, then I told her, like, well, if you listen to last week, we just, so she, she was meaning basically, like, are you, are you younger? She, yeah. Like, oh, bless her heart. We're young. Well, of course we are. So here's an interesting thing. Now, this kind of curtails nicely into, now you mentioned, Selena, we're going to go off on a slight tangent and then I'm going to get in trouble. Uh-oh. Not real. No, 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 not real. <laughs> um, and huge, Props to Scott Campbell from mm. Selmer for making this, uh, immediately addressing this issue. So um, there's a lot to be said about how many amazing women saxophonists there are, but not getting as much publicity. That is changing, because when Selmer mm-hmm. did the ad campaign for the Supreme, are you aware of what's going on, or were you completely in the dark? I now am reminded that there was some controversy. Right. Yes. So they had a I video sort of just... where they featured, 
didn't pay half a dozen saxophonists, right? And none were women. They were all guys, yeah. And, and one of the issues as a guy I can say is if you ask me to list my favorite concert saxophonist, I don't have to think, well, let me include some women. No, the right. names just pour out. Right. Uh, Susan Fancher. Gail Levinsky, right? Deborah Richtmeyer, you know, the, the, yeah. The, Connie Frigo, Nikki Roman. Cow. I mean, Jan yeah. Barry Baker. Holy cow! <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there are so many, and so many of my my colleagues, um, you know, are women. It's just I I I don't have to think about it, right? And so it was it was a glaring omission, especially um, no, not especially on the classical side, on the jazz side too. Yeah. And we, you and I, when we're reviewing albums, we're not thinking, well, we need to promote women. That's never a conversation no, we've just, had. Yeah. It's just, if you throw a rock, you're going to hit an amazing woman saxophonist. Yeah. I mean, don't try Especially to hit them. Especially these days. <laughs> Please yeah. don't. No, don't throw rocks at women. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, so. <laughs> or men. <laughs> so to her question, there are so many. So many. Yeah, I'm um, afraid. Yeah, Julia Nolan. I mean, just. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to. My for, friend Bobby for, Thompson. I was going to say. At gonna, Western University. Exactly. I'm She's like, amazing. Yeah. There's for, so many. Amanda Heim, Carrie Kaufman. Yeah. There's so many amazing women in the jazz world as, as well. Yeah. Um, it seems like there are more percentage-wise in the classical world, and there's a lot of reasons we talked about. But um, so there, we just named a gazillion classical ones. But jazz, but yeah, but that's changing. There are a lot more women coming up in the, in jazz. In the classical yeah, in yeah, the yeah. jazz field. Sorry, in the exactly. jazz field too. Yeah, which cool. is fantastic. It's and wonderful. so Selmer yeah. got the message. It was Selmer Paris that got the message. Yeah. Like, oh, that was not a cool Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> ad campaign. And then Scott Campbell from. Um, Con Summer, the American yeah, side, yeah. was like, yeah, we, that's, you know. We gotta he, fix this. Yeah, and he was very proactive about it on yeah. the American side, which. Well, this makes me remember that a group I used to play with called the Rolling <gasps> Phones. Yes. They had a live streamed concert last night. Um, their first concert since the pandemic, mm-hmm. and there are four women, and they played great. Rolling Phones. And I loved the music. Good repertoire. Was really good repertoire. They play such a wonderful mix of, you know, transcribed music, arranged music, of Norwegian folk songs, because there's oh. Swedish and Norwegian members in the group. And um, they did uh, three movements from Ida Gokovsky's quartet, and they played a movement from Pedro Iteralda's uh, Sweet Hellenique. Mm. I mean, it was just really m- wonderful music, wonderful to listen to. Some of it was challenging enough to, there was enough meat to chew on, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But there was some really just stuff that you could sit back and enjoy too. They did an arrangement of a piece, piece by Ethel Smythe, who is a British composer from the early 20th century, that mm-hmm. Amy Ziegler, a friend of ours, Right here in Greensboro is an internationally known scholar on her music. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so I'm going to try to get my hands on the arrangement of that. Anyway, it was just a great program, and it's four women I used to play in Rolling that group phones. when I was yeah, young. Yeah. And you were the non-Swede. Because <laughs> we talked about I that, was that the they non-Swede, helped teach you exactly. Swedish by being yep. kind to you. They were very kind yeah. and very encouraging, and they are still just a lovely bunch of people and fantastic ensemble. Oh, there you go, Selena. Yep. Yeah, Go so check them out. I think your Google is outdated. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. A great question, and um, like I said, I, I think if you listen to the podcast long enough, we listen, yeah. Yep. It's not something you have to search for. Nope. Um, but thanks for searching for it, though. Yeah. I think that's no, awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Yay. Hey, I think that's all for this week. All right. Uh, Sue, Woo. do you have any incredibly wise, concise words of wisdom to leave, to leave our, our listener with? Have fun practicing. Go practice, guys. We'll Take see you next care. week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>